Live from Rowlett. <laughs> it's Firewall Bible Fellowship. Good morning, church. How you doing? Yeah? Nice. How many of y'all just came from Bible study? Was that good? That was good stuff, right? All right, well, it's good to see you this morning. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask that the Lord prepare us to give to the Lord our reasonable act of worship, which is our very life. To lay our lives down as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, that He would be honored with that. And so, Lord, this morning we thank You for the privilege that we have of coming together. That, Lord, we are not forsaking together, but we have gathered here in this place with other believers, others' lives who You have saved by the power of Your Gospel. We're united not only in that message, but we're united in your spirit. Your purifying and holy spirit that moves in and among us, filling us, empowering us together to witness and to worship and to walk out our faith. This morning we thank you for the high privilege we have of lifting our hands to you, to lift our prayers to you, to sing together, to study your word together, and that we would grow together is our prayer. We love you, Jesus. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all, let's stand together. Good morning, Firewheel. Oh, 
fall All those lonely roads that I've traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be found couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. There was Jesus in the way, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment. social media and I found this next verse that I thought went perfect with this next song we're going to do so thank you Angelique for posting this it's from Proverbs 3 5 through 6 it says trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths
This good morning, Firewheel. This coming Saturday, March 13th, join us in Royce City at King's Closet, a clothing ministry giving much needed items to the homeless in Dallas. Come sort clothes from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. For the address and further details, check out the event page of the website or Facebook or contact Michelle Smith at 214-505-1077. Calling all golfers. Want to enjoy a round of golf and help out the children's and student ministry at the same time? Join us Saturday, March 27th at Waterview Golf Course at 8 a.m. for a golf tournament. There will be food and prizes, so make sure to sign up soon in the lobby or online under the Giving tab. Cost is $60 per person. The last day to register is March 17th. Contact Keegan McCarthy at keeks80 at gmail.com for more info. Moms, come bring the kids and hang out in the gym Thursday, March 18th, and every third Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. Sip some hot coffee and chat with other moms while the kids play. Want to know more about anything going on around Firewheel? Ask one of our wonderful guest services volunteers or go online to firewheelfellowship.com. You can also check us out on social media. Nice. Well, good morning, Firewheel. How are we doing? Yeah. Can we show our appreciation to the worship team? Wasn't that wonderful this morning? Let's keep our hands clapping. Let's thank our guest services this morning. Thank you, guest services. Thank you, coffee shop. Thank you, children's volunteers. Thank you, student volunteers. Thank you, teachers. Yeah, let's open our Bibles. Everybody say word. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to be. We're going to hop through a few verses. We're going to read them together. Then we're going to pray. And then we're going to look, at, uh, look into them deeper this morning. I have a real wrestling match going on spiritually. Because uh, I recognize that the, the discussion that we're going to have this morning is going to seem rather radical. The trouble I'm having is it's only radical when compared to our present day culture in the church. It's not radical to the New Testament. In fact, what we're going to look at is just like normal Christian faith. But it's going to sound rather radical. And, and the question and the wrestling I've been having is, as we get into this discussion, is it just too radical for us? Like, will we look at this and, and go, you know what? I'm kind of happy the way things are. Is it too radical? Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4, while they were staying with, while he was staying with them, he ordered them. What is that word ordered? That is what a superior does to someone that is in service to them, right? An order. What does an order mean? It's like a command. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So when Jesus tells us to do something, it is an order. 
He ordered them to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth, verse 14. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together. Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now it just so happens, verse 5, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men and women from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. Why? Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language and they were all amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galilean? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Verse 12, and they were all amazed and perplexed, saying, what does this mean? Verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Something radical just took place. Now let's stand together. We're going to raise our hands, and we're going to ask God. Lord, we thank you this morning for this message. Lord, in my hands, it is insufficient to meet the spiritual need of your people. But in your capable hands, blessed and broken, it will provide for our spiritual nutrition. It will provide for us what we need this morning. And so we ask in your grace and in your goodness and in your abundance that you would take this message, that you would use it not only for our individual spiritual health, but for us as a church. With our eyes closed, family, I want you to pray in the quietness of your heart for the person sitting next to you and to the other side. This is what I want you to pray. Lord Jesus, pour out your best blessings on the person next to me. Lord, may they be filled with the Holy Spirit fresh and anew today. May they be filled with a fresh awakening May they receive the spiritual nutrition that their soul is dying for. May they be abundantly blessed. And then for our own lives, Lord Jesus, today what we have need of, we don't know. We think we know, but you know what we need today. Our hands are open as our hearts are and our ears and our eyes. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's be seated. Come with expectation. Come to this place with expectation that the Lord will speak to you. That he will move in this place. There are no ordinary Sundays. Because we are gathering together in his name, March 7th, 2021. The most significant day in our life right now. Because it's this very moment. There is a word that I blew past last week. 
like a, like a sign on the highway. Just and, and I didn't really even pay attention to it. And in fact, even as I look back on it, I'm kind of like, I don't really want to deal with that word. I kind of just like to leave it alone. It's a dirty little word, honestly. Four letters. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. It's an important word, especially if we want to experience the power of God in our life, and more importantly, in our church. While staying with them, he ordered them. Again, what does order mean? Command. Does Jesus have the authority to give us commands? Is it spiritual sanity for us to obey those commands? Absolutely. It is spiritual insanity to receive an order from the Lord Jesus Christ and to decide not to do it. He ordered them to stay, to not depart from Jerusalem, but to what? To wait. To wait for the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. Now, family, I don't like to wait. I'm not a fan of waiting. I don't like to wait in line. I don't like to wait in traffic. And I don't like to wait at a checkout counter. I don't like to wait in relationships. I don't like to wait on the phone. I don't like to wait in my marriage. I don't want to wait in parenting. I don't want to wait in my spiritual life. I don't want to wait in the church. I want things to happen the way I want them to happen, and I want them to happen now. But the church, they were going to have to wait for the promise. And it, and it was not just a promise off in the far off future or a few distant date. It was, it was the promise of power. You see, the church had faith in Christ, but they didn't have power. And for the church to carry out her mission, they were going to need power. A power not all their own. Family, there are divine purposes for each one of our lives. I can say on the individual level, but collectively as the church, purposes that we will not be able to walk out unless we are empowered through the Holy Spirit. We have a misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit. We believe that we can live out a spiritual life without the Holy Spirit. We can live life, certainly. But if we're going to live a life that is truly spiritual, then we are going to need to walk and fill a filling and a fullness of the Holy Spirit. We cannot live the spiritual life apart from the Holy Spirit. And they were told to wait. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. To wait. But y'all will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon y'all, and y'all be my witnesses. You see what I did there? Because that's really what the verse is, can, is, is relaying. Jesus was not just speaking to the individual. He wasn't just saying, Mike, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to be my witness. In Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the outermost parts of the world. Tommy, you're going to be my witness. I know everyone's like, oh no. Who's he calling on next? <laughs> Armando! He was saying, 
y'all. He was speaking to the 11 that were there on the mountain with him, but he was also speaking to the 120 that were in Jerusalem, and he was also speaking to every believer that would, that would come to faith through the preaching of the gospel, the Holy Spirit-empowered empowered preaching of the gospel. They would respond in faith, then y'all be my witnesses. So this morning, y'all means y'all. That the Holy Spirit will come upon y'all and you'll be my witnesses. Jesus declared there was work to be done. It's a, a work that's more important than any other work that is on earth. It was a local, regional, and global work. Y'all see that? A local, a regional, and a global work. It was a work defined uh, it, by why Jesus left his disciples. It was the purpose for him leaving his apostles. And his church. It was a work that defines who and what we are as believers and as a church today. It is a work that is more important than our individual careers. It is a work that is more important than our individual retirements. It is a work that is more important than our individual happiness or entertainment. Or our own individual satisfaction. It is the greatest work their purpose, if they were to accept, was to be Jesus' missionaries, his messengers, to bring not only the message of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but he, they were also to be the ones who would unleash the movement of Jesus on the world. That through them there would be the unleashing of the power of God, the kingdom of God, the love of God to the world through the gospel but they would do it together. It's not an individual work. It's together. We are his witnesses. A few questions for you. Would the church have been able to fulfill its purpose apart from the empowering of the Holy Spirit? Why do you say that? You see, there's some of the things that we look at in the Christian life, we can look at in the life of Jesus, that we can, we can mimic some of these things. But there was something distinct and different. They weren't just walking around just talking about Jesus. There was something distinct about that word witness that required a supernatural empowering. So the question is, could they fulfill its purpose? No. How about this? Would the church have been filled with the Holy Spirit if they refused to walk in his purposes? Would the church have been filled with the Holy Spirit if they refused to walk in his purposes? What if Jesus said... Y'all receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon y'all, and y'all be my witnesses, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the outermost parts of the world. What if they replied, uh, no thank you. We'd rather not. I mean, that all sounds great and all. We don't mind being empowered, but if you don't mind, can we use that power for our own purposes? Because there's things we want to accomplish. There's things that I want to do. I mean, that mission sounds good and all, Jesus, but, but there, I, I've kind of got my own kingdom I'm building. 
the Lord will not empower a people unwilling to walk out his word. He just won't. In fact, I had it written like in a different way. It was a little sharp. It was like, the Lord will not empower a disobedient people. Which is actually specifically what I was trying to say, but I was like, ah, it's a little too strong. But I said it anyway. From my own experience, the Lord will not empower me when I'm walking in disobedience. He just won't. The Lord will not empower his church that is walking in disobedience. The Lord is not going to empower us in spiritual gifts that we refuse to use for his purposes. The Lord will not empower us to love and good works if we refuse to love and walk out good works. The Lord will not empower us to be his witnesses if we refuse to be his witnesses. That does not mean we are not saved. That does not mean we are not loved by God. It just means that we are not walking in the fullness of his spirit. Powerless churches filled with powerless Christians, I believe, is our problem. I believe that is the greatest problem plaguing North American culture. You see, Christians always point outside. They're they're the ones with the problem. Never considering that maybe we're the problem. See, darkness is always darkness. But we're called light. Decay is always called decay, but we're called salt. So when we stop being salt and we stop being light, the problem isn't the darkness and it's not the decay, it's the salt and the light. Here's here's one of our, our greatest issues. We talk about Jesus, we read about Jesus, we sing about Jesus, but do we really live for Jesus? And then we wonder, like, why is the Christianity I read about so different from the Christianity I experience and live? It almost becomes like, this is like a story, or like it's, this is a theoretical, this isn't real. No, this is the most real thing on earth. what we're experiencing and what has often been defined and called the Christian life is not. Check this out. Will the military empower soldiers who refuse to carry out their orders? Will the military uh, arm soldiers who are not going to carry out their orders? No way. That's insubordination. They'd be stripped of rank and of all weaponry. So here's a question. Will the Lord empower a church who refuses to submit to the orders given by the Lord? Stripped of rank and all weaponry. And here's the craziest part. We're actually in a battle. We are actually in a battle right now. And and when I say battle, I'm talking like a cosmic enemy of biblical proportions 
And we think we're okay with like our cardboard cutout shields and our little paper mache swords. I can stand, I, I can fight. And with no power, we fall. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, we are told that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And we still think our biggest problem are our taxes. We are in a war. And we are told that we can't stand alone. And we are told that we need one another. And we're told that we need, we need weaponry. We need armor. And we're not talking like physical armor. We're talking spiritual stuff. We need to armor up so we can take a stand. But we don't stand alone. We stand together. What would you call a soldier who stands by himself in battle? Dead. What do you call a Christian who stands in the spiritual fight by themselves? Dead. And yet we still think that church is optional. We still think it's an elective. Like, uh, you know, this semester, I think I'm going to take church. I'm going to go ahead and add that to my course load. Yeah, I go to church. It's kind of cool. Pastors hit, wear skinny jeans. Probably shouldn't, but <laughs> they got good coffee. And every now and then, you know, I get something good for the day or for the week. I just, I just kind of enjoy it. We actually think church is optional. It's crazy. It's literally spiritual insanity. And we, we make the choice. Like, my brain's totally broken. Like, literally. There, there are, like, literally spiritually sound things that I need, and I'm like, man, I don't want to do that. And then I'm like, but Lord, why am I not experiencing? I believe there's times where the Lord's just like, you got yourself in this mess. I, I told you. Like, I've shown you. I saved you for a purpose. I've blessed you with the church. I've surrounded you by other brothers and sisters in the faith. I've, I've baptized you in the Holy Spirit, and in moments I've filled you. But gosh, if you would just avail yourself totally to me, oh, what I would do in your life, and what I would do in your church. Listen to these three words that describe the atmosphere of the early church. We looked at these last week briefly, but we're going to revisit these time and again. All these with one what? One accord, devoting themselves to prayer together. These words describe the atmosphere of the early church. And this is what's crazy. This is the environment where the Holy Spirit is able to move freely. This describes like the perfect environment for the Holy Spirit to move in power. And what's even more fascinating is when these qualities are missing, we will find that the Holy Spirit moving in power is also missing. The first word is one accord. It means of one mind. 
and of one purpose. There's a oneness that should be expressed here in this place. It means that we set aside differences of opinion and preferences and agenda to join together in one mind and purpose for Jesus. In the church, we often care more about our opinions than our shared confession of Jesus. We care more about being right than being united. We often care more about being served than laying down our lives in service. The concept of one accord teaches us that the church is not about us individually. We still think that the church is about us. We still think that the gathering of the church is about the individual. If we are sitting around complaining about what the church is not doing for us, we've become too important. We've in fact become more important than Jesus. Because it's not about us individually, it's about us together, one mind. They were devoted. A powerful word. It means committed, sold out, all in. Yes, they were committed to prayer, but they were committed to Jesus together. It seems like today in the church, Christians are more devoted to their cell phone plans than their gathering of believers. It seems like Christians today are more devoted to their brand of coffee than they are to the Christian community. People are ready to jump ship at the slightest inconvenience or irritation or disagreement. I like almost can't handle it. This is symbolic of Jesus' shed blood. Jesus poured the cup and he raised the cup and he said, take and drink. And then he took the bread, symbolic of what? His body. And he, br wow, this is really hard bread. <laughs> I wasn't planning on doing this, so this is totally impromptu. So um, just imagine. <laughs> and he handed it symbolic of his body that was going to be broken on the cross. And today we divide over masks. I've had people tell me they're going to stop coming to Firewall because we wear masks. And I've had people tell me that they're going to stop coming to Firewall because we don't wear masks. I don't know what that means. How is that possible? How is that possible when we read the scriptures of our faith? That we join together in communion and we're so frivolous with it. We'll just throw it away. And we'll go find another one.
And when something happens there that we don't like and it makes us uncomfortable, did you ever consider, have we ever considered that maybe us being uncomfortable is a good thing? That maybe when we're upset, it's because the Lord is exposing something in us that needs to be addressed? That if we're upset about something, that chances are the problem isn't outside of, it's inside. That's why Jesus always talks about the heart. I just wonder what it would be like if a group of Christians came together and set aside petty differences, quit finding reasons to divide, and unified in Christ. Our shared confession, the bread, the cup, and we were devoted. And we didn't treat this as an elective course, but we, we focused on it. It became the most important thing in our life, the community, the gathering of believers, growing spiritually, that we decided, say, Lord, we're not going to move until you move. We are going to wait for you to move in power. We're going to humble ourselves, and we're going to surrender, and we're going to repent, and we're going to come together over Jesus. What might happen? It may just be Pentecost up in this joint. Chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all in what? How simple is that? They were all together in one place. And suddenly, y'all have been in an earthquake? Some of you have. They're awesome, by the way. There's no warning. It's not like a hurricane, like a day out, two weeks out. Hey, by the way, board up your windows. All of a sudden, you're just going about your day, and you're, you're concrete surfing. So what happens the day of Pentecost? They are waiting, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Like they were sitting in the posture of waiting, like crisscross applesauce. We're not going to move until you move. Whoosh! And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. They're watching this and, and they're being filled and immediately they are empowered to do things they could not do before. It says in verse 4 that they were filled, they were filled, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or ability. This is power. They're speaking languages they'd never studied. They didn't like download Rosetta Stone and start practicing languages. They just immediately are empowered for a purpose. What do you think the purpose was? Think about Acts 1.8. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my what? What do you think they're being empowered to do right now? Be his what? 
and they are empowered together. I love it says they all were filled. You know, too often we seek a selfish empowerment. We seek an empowerment for ourselves, not thinking that maybe, just maybe, we are in this place so that others can experience that empowering work. We, us, together. They're empowered together, and the purpose of the empowerment was kingdom work. The tongues they are speaking are actual languages, languages they've never studied, languages they couldn't speak. They're able to speak to the hearts of people in a way that they knew the words were from God. When we are empowered through the Holy Spirit, we are given the ability collectively to share the message in such a way that it speaks to the heart of the hearer, not just to the intellect. And they burst out of the upper room filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And at the same time, as they're rushing out, there's a multitude of people rushing towards them. And they're on this collision course of like God's powerful, sovereign will being unfolded in front of them. And it says in verse 5, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. It's almost like God knows what he's doing, right? Like it just almost seems like that maybe just somehow... God is bringing about his perfect work through a surrendered people, a spirit-filled people. And it says, the sound of the multitude, they came together, they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it? How is this possible that we hear each of us in his own native language? They're speaking my language. There are moments when we're so full of the Holy Spirit, walking in His Spirit, when we talk to somebody, we speak their language. How do you know me? Oh, homie. It's the Lord who knows you. It's the Lord who loves you. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Peter stands and delivers the first evangelistic message of the Holy Spirit-filled era. People are moved to faith. We often focus on Peter. We're like, wow, look what God did through Peter. No, look what God did through the community of believers. We have to get our eyes and our minds off of the mouthpiece. Too many times people are like, that's Chris's job. Or that's Tony Evans' job or that's Chuck Swindoll, or that's Billy Graham, or whoever it is, whatever the person is, wow, they're the anointed ones. God speaks through them. No, God moves through the community. Without the empowering of, of the Holy Spirit of the community, there, there would be no Peter. He's just walking in his service. And it says, those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day how many souls? I love how it doesn't just say people. Souls. The church filled with power from the Holy Spirit goes out into the world, witnesses for Jesus, then comes back together, but they have grown. That's the normal pattern, by the way. 
The normal pattern is gathered believers come together. We are empowered with the Spirit, and we go out into the world, and we witness, and we, we come back together, but we don't come back alone. And the church grows. That's normal Christianity. That should be normal in every church. It's very, it should be very normal for believers to go out filled with the Holy Spirit to then go share the message of Jesus Christ. People are responding and they come back together and be a part of the community. And the more they come back and be a part of the community and they're discipled and they're grown and the church grows and the, the kingdom of God continues to expand. And, and, and what Jesus says is that the witness will be a local, regional, and global. That's just normal. But what we often experience is the abnormal Please hear this. People will not be reached by programs. We got to get that out of our minds. We got to stop with the program-driven Christianity. The world's not going to be reached by programs. The world's not going to be reached by just one powerful preacher. There are people in your life who won't listen to me. They don't want to hear anything I have to say. They don't know me. And in fact, in their minds, they'd be like, well, that guy's supposed to say that stuff. Of course he lives that way. It's job security. But when believers, like when you live out your faith, all of a sudden people look at you and they're like, Why do you live that way? The world is reached by spirit-filled believers. And that empowering happens when we come together. So I have a question for you. What do you think would happen? What could happen here? If we waited. Wait's that four-letter word, isn't it? A few spiritual recommendations, some things to chew on. I'm sure there have been some other things to chew on. Not that bread, of course. <laughs> you ain't chewing on that bread. Weight was not a recommendation. It was not a piece of spiritual advice. Weight was a command. Getting together the early church, waiting for God to move in power. They were of one mind. They were devoted together. What would it look like if we waited together in prayer and in Scripture and in growing? Like if we just said, you know what? We're going to come together and we're going to set aside everything else. We're going to be devoted to Christ together. We have a very impatient Christianity. You know, it's like I gave my life to Jesus. Everything isn't fixed tomorrow or today. Uh, I went to church twice this month and, and man, my life's just not any better. I prayed, and it actually got worse. Uh, I dropped a few bucks in the plate. <laughs> Didn't fix my finances. I read a few passages. My marriage isn't fixed. It's done nothing to change my wife. And then wife's like, well, it's done nothing to change my husband. I'm an equal opportunity offender. 
No toes are safe. I listen to the sermon, but I still can't break free. I read the Bible a couple times. I just don't get it. Jesus is not interested in half-hearted. By the way, that's just lazy. And we in the church, we've done a really good job of esteeming lazy Christianity. We've made it so easy. Oh, you can't read the Bible? Oh, that's okay. That is hard to understand. So we'll just give you this little thought. Well, you can't serve? Well, that's okay. Just show up. Oh, you can't really give? Oh, I know. You got, you got big plans. Yeah. That's okay. Y'all, that's not Christianity. Lay your life down as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We will not experience the fullness of the Spirit unless we're willing to walk in the fullness of His Word. Secondly, we are empowered together for a purpose. That purpose is not about us individually. It's not about our wealth or our well-being. It's not about our happiness or our satisfaction. It is about Jesus and His kingdom. We are to empowered together for Jesus and His kingdom. We have a mission. As a surrendered people, empowered for purpose, we can change the world. We really can. Did you know that the group on the day of Pentecost numbered just about how many people are in here this morning? That's about the same number. Would you say that gathering of 120 people changed the world through the empowering of the Holy Spirit? I shared last week, you know, that I was telling you about like how the 35%, that's what we're averaging in the, the, the church post or pandemic and all that, and about 35% of the church has come back and all that. That means 65% of the church is not. And um, we talked about that and, and how that is for churches and all, all of the discussion. We, you can go listen to last week's. Um, and that can sound like a really negative thing, but then I, I looked at the screen, so we, we surveil you. Um, we have a, a camera. Uh, that just has a, a view of the auditorium, and I was looking as people were coming in, and, and uh, I looked at it, and I went, yeah, that looks like enough. That looks like enough people right there. Mm-hmm. Jesus started with 11, or 12, and 11. 120. I, didn't do, I don't know the math today, but I'd say there's probably about 120 people here. Looks like there's enough. But will we surrender? Huh. Will we wait? Will we say, here, Lord, use us? What could happen? What do you think could happen? If we came together in, in humility and surrender before Jesus, if we set aside petty differences, if we quit jumping ship every time we disagreed with something, what could happen if we came together in one mind, one purpose, devoted to Jesus together? 
What could happen if, if the focal point is Jesus and we're willing to do whatever he commanded to give up what he calls us to give up, to give what he calls us to give, to love the way he calls us to love, to refuse to move until he moves? What might happen? So I began this morning by saying this message is going to be kind of radical. Was that, is that true? Has it been kind of radical? A little bit. So we have a choice. Here's our option. We can say, you know what? I don't know what all this means, but I'm willing. And we can work with that. And we can keep going with this series. Because it's going to get a little bit more radical. Or we can say we like it the way things are. And if we like it the way things are, that's fine. Y'all, we'll, um, I don't know. I'll do a series on Care Bears or something. I don't know. And we can do Care Bear shares with everybody in the world. And, but if we're willing to really take another step forward together, I don't know what's going to happen. But I do believe it's greater than anything we've ever experienced up to this point. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the testimony of what it records. We thank you that in and of ourselves, we cannot bring about your work. It takes dependency. Lord, we know unless you move, uh, Lord, it is not going to be lasting, eternal. But we do believe if you move in power, things that are impossible for us will be, will be walking in those things. We know that there will be a, a greater reality of love among us, that we would love one another as you've loved us. We will serve one another as, as you have served. And, and there's going to be just this radical spirit of grace and forgiveness and holiness and healing and powerful testimony, lives being reached, unreached people groups in our neighborhood, in our offices, in our families, in our homes. We will wake up every day with a greater purpose than just our own. Lord, stir in us a heart of willingness. A willingness to surrender, to walk out the fullness of your word, but to do it together. May we no longer forsake the gathering together, but that we would gather together as believers. Broken, messy, real, but surrendered. We are going to ask, God, that you do a work here in this place that only you can do. We are your servants. Out of curiosity, y'all, I want you to keep your, your eyes closed. I'm just going to ask for a show of hands. If you're wanting to step forward and see what the Lord has, can I just see your hands? 
looks like enough, Lord. That looks like enough. We will wait. Wouldn't it be amazing if a mighty rushing wind fell upon this place and divided tongues of fire, move in power, we ask. In your name, Jesus, amen. All right, family, let's stand together. Are we ready to go back out into the world? Now go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. And share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all until we meet again, same time, same place next week. And do not forget, family, you are loved. Now let's carry that love outside these doors. Amen? Have a wonderful week.